Ladies and gentlemen, welcome live to this edition of the Loud Marlin Fan Podcast. I am your host, a Loud Marlins fan. You can call me Chase. And as always, please interact with me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Loud Marlins Fan. On this episode of the Loud Marlin Fans Podcast, we are going to do a Q&A session. Even my dogs have some questions. But this episode is for you. So on Twitter and Facebook, I've asked you, the Loud Marlin Fan listener, to ask me questions. But before we get into that, just want to discuss a couple state of the Marlins with you as I have told some stories. I haven't really gotten into the present Marlins team in 2021. Just to let you know what day this is recorded, it is June 3rd. The Marlins just dropped their last five games, one to the Phillies, two to the Red Sox, and then just got swept in a very short series of two games in Buffalo, which I'm calling Toronto Buffalo because the Toronto Blue Jays are playing in Buffalo for the foreseeable future. So the Marlins just lost five straight games, and I get asked on Twitter uh, for my opinion on this, and maybe not even asked sometimes, so I'm going to just discuss it real quick with you of the state of the Marlins as of this recording. Which, if I get 20, 30 minutes, I will put this episode up today. I'm happy of certain aspects of the Marlins, and I'm very disappointed in others. So let's talk the good, the bad, and the ugly for the next couple minutes. The good out of the Marlins is their starting pitching. And I know some of you may hear that and go, wait, we only have three starters for the most part of the season. Petit has come in and has given us a fourth or fifth start. But there's been that bullpen game that has happened in between some of these starts where they would throw out names like Dan Castano for a couple innings. They would give Ross Detweiler a a start or two. Uh, Campbell before uh, he went down uh, with cheating. So, let's say this. I'm very happy with the starting pitching, even with all that, because we have three amazing pitchers on our team. And they may not have the victories because they do not get the run support, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you have Sandy Alcantara, or however you say his last name, I'm reading off the jersey that's hanging from my wall. You have Sandy You have Pablo and the guy who's come out of nowhere, which I saw in spring training, his excellence. When I went to a 10-strikeout game, you have Trevor Rogers, who's the reigning two-time this season. There's been two months, April and May, two-time Rookie of the Month, and that is Trevor Rogers. So when you have three pitchers, who can give you long starts. Now, don't get me wrong. Each of them have gone through some trials this early season. Sandy's had a couple rough games. 
Pablo's had a couple of rough games. And when I say Trevor had a rough game or two, I'm talking about at least a five-inning game with giving up like two runs for him for a hard game. But Pablo has had a short start of less than three innings, and so has Sandy um, focusing on that Dodger start, to, to be honest with you. But other than that, those three pitchers, when you could win any series that you play because of those pitchers, and then give up a game when you have a bullpen game uh, or uh, a fluke start from a Dan Castano, who I like. I like the Italian Stallion. I was rooting for him, am rooting for him, wherever he is now in the organization. But that's the good. Now, other goods, let's get away from pitching. You know, you have Jazz Chisholm, who's a spark plug for our team. You had Miguel Rojas, who's a team leader. You have Jesus Aguilar, that hits amazing on the road. The bad about him, which I'll get into also, is he can't hit at home. You have Corey Dickerson that has some good games, and he's dealing with some personal issues, so I can't attack him. I won't. I'm not going to attack any of the Marlins players. Let's be clear there. Koopa uh, Loop has gotten out of his bad uh, hit start to this season, it looks like. he's getting. I think he's on an 11-game hit streak uh, or as of this conversation. You have Brian Anderson, who was starting to get hot before he injured himself. I think his shoulder. So you have good in a lot of our players. Starlin Marte is back. That's good. Let's see him get on fire. He hit a home run last night. But then you have the bad. And the bad, again, I, I, the pitching. The two, the having the need to do a bullpen game is bad, and it's bad because we have so much pitching in our roster, on our rosters throughout the minor leagues, that you can't find a starting pitcher to come up and rock it as a fourth or fifth starter. Petit comes in, does a great job, but for a couple games there, we gave up four or five losses this season because of Dan Castano starts because. He couldn't get through three innings. You had, uh, as I said, Paul Campbell has came in, and of course he uh, did some illegal substances, which he'll say he didn't do, and I'm not the one that knows. I don't know what he put into his body or ingested. But at the same time, he was caught cheating. He's gone. But then you have these Ross Detweiler games where you Ross Detweiler would throw a, a no-hit two innings, and then you take him out because he's at 20 pitches. Let the guy throw. Bad, Donnie, ugly, Donnie. Get to ugly in a second. And then some bad is our hitting because Jazz Chisholm, love the guy, getting jazzy with it, hashtag that, getting jazzy with it. He has this energy to him that he brings to the team and he wants to do well, but he's striking out too much. Koopa uh, Loop started cold. B.A. started cold. Aguilar started cold. You can't all start cold at one time. If you think about it, I went to five preseason games, all versus the Houston Astros and Washington Nationals. I believe the Astros are doing okay this season. And the uh, uh, Nationals were in the basement. We may have replaced them. 
excuse my dog in the background here, but that's the bad, the cold bats. Cause when you're all cold at once, I expect you guys to go through streaks of coldness throughout the season, but you can't all do it at the same time right off the bat because you have this great starting pitching that you're wasting. It's sad. It's sickening that Sandy Alcantara only has two wins. That Pablo only has one win this season because you can't give him run support. And that moves into the ugly. Blowing saves is ugly. Horrible blowing saves. You know, I like bass. I talk to bass on Instagram. Apparently the dogs don't like blown saves either. In fact, there appears to be some dogs outside. So I think I'm going to pause here, continue with the bat going into the ugly after this short break. Welcome back. Apologize for the noise in the background before the break. But as we continue, I was focusing on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I believe I was getting into the ugly of the team. And I was discussing blown saves right before uh, we had a loud barking in the back. Blown saves. From the start of the season, the second game, that would have been a victory in a season victory versus the Tampa Bay Rays if we went on to win Sunday as well, which we did win Sunday, but who knows what would have happened. But you bring in Anthony Bass to get a close, a BR closer when he blows a save. Does it again a couple days later. I like Anthony Bass. I talked to him on Instagram. Very nice guy. Answers my messages about how happy I am with the team or when they had lost that game or the bullpen blew it in Philadelphia a few weeks back. He had actually, I, I wrote him, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not angry at you guys. You just got to be better. And he said, tomorrow we'll get the win and we'll win the series the next day. So he kept his promise. Look, they're, they're human. They understand that when they fail, they fail. And, you know, I don't think they're thinking about the fans when they do it, but they want to win and they're competitive. So blowing saves upset me. Give me blowing the save yesterday. Really let down by the offense because if you think about it, Jazz Chisholm doesn't get a, a defensive error in the previous inning. And you're up by one more run. The triple doesn't win the game. You get one out there. Then you could shut the game out. Unfortunately, at the end of it, Starlin Marte even dropped the ball. So the errors have to stop the fence letting down the bullpen. You have to be perfect. The ugliest is the injuries. Everyone on our starting roster from opening day as far as first, second, third, our position players, as you call them, most of them have been injured. I think Aguilar, knocking on wood, is the only one who hasn't gone down with any type of injury so far in that starting lineup. Let's see, we lost Jorge, we lost Starlin, we lost Jazz, we lost B.A., we lost Coop for a couple days, Adam Duvall for a couple days. And you should be built as an organization when a player or two go down to be able to replace them for long periods of time with a player 
who can step right in. And we have some of these utility guys, like John Birdie, who's fast as hell and is good for a start here and there at third or short. But they're putting him in the outfield. He's not an outfielder. He doesn't have the arm. He doesn't scare me if you do a pop fly to him when you throw him out. Where Adam Duvall, on the other hand, putting him in the outfield, he has a gun. And that I should have said is one of the good is being is our players in the outfield gunning down others, opposing players at home, home plate or second base or third. But that's ugly to me. When you, And again, I like John Birdie. He's a great utility player. But to have him start every day is not going to win you games. Speaking on that subject, continuing the ugly, Isan Diaz. He had a wonderful grand slam. He'll get a hit here and there. But he is not major league ready. He may never be major league ready. You know, last year... When he could have played, he chickened out. You have your own views on COVID. He chickened out. He said, nope, I'll start. He played the first couple games, but when the players went down, he opted out of the season and then opted back in, what, six weeks later, five weeks later, just to make the playoff roster? Nah, he's not a team player. He didn't go through it with the team. And as I saw in spring training, from the first at-bat in spring training, Jazz Chisholm hit a home run. Second base is Jazz's. And Isan Diaz should not be on this team. He should be in the minors. Lewis Brinson, I love Sweet Lou. Nice guy. He is in the minors now. Option to, as of today's game, Jumbo Shrimp. Then you have Devers. Devers is so tiny, and I get it. He puts the bat on the ball, but he's not major league ready either, but they're keeping him up, and I'm talking about the ugly right now because this is the ugly on our team. The ugly is the lack of being able to generate hits from the seven, eight, nine spots. You'll get a hit here and there, but two days ago when it was bases loaded, you put Jose Devers in with two outs, bottom of the ninth. I don't expect him to get the game-winning hit, and either does the pitcher on the opposing team. So the current state of the Marlins is this. We've lost five straight games as of this recording. It is June 3rd. I think we're 24 and 30 right now. We are falling quick, and we need to stop it. And today is the perfect day to stop it in Pittsburgh. Because the Pittsburgh were there for four days, Thursday today through Sunday, and then we come home to face the Colorado Rockies. Sorry, we don't come home to face the Rockies. We go back to Boston because of that rained out day on Monday, and then we come home to face the Colorado Rockies. So all in all, in the next eight games, because that Boston game's a makeup game, in the next eight games, we should have six wins. And then we're back in the picture, depending on what the rest of the division, do, the division does. At the end of the month, we get back into division play. June 12th, actually, we face, I'll be at that game. June 11th, 12th, and 13th, we have Atlanta at home. Big series next weekend. 
And then at the end of the ser- the end of the month, we are in Philadelphia. Big division series. We need to go sixty-five and thirty. In, in sorry, sixty-five and forty-three in the next hundred and eight games. That's how I look at it to make the playoffs. Lose them now, lose them later, win them now, win them later. That's how we have to go to make the playoffs. So now I'm going to play one more quick break, and we're going to go into your questions. I have about 10 of them where I will discuss your Q&A. And I'll probably post this special episode tonight during the game. I don't won't know what happened at the game, but let's go Marlins. Let's get started on our winning ways. Juntos Miami. Bottom feeders no more. No more. I'll talk to you in a second. Be right back. Welcome back to the Loud Marlin Fan Podcast. Again, please, if you haven't already, these questions are going to come directly from Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you haven't added me yet, please do. You'll be able to see when I post this podcast and hopefully share it for others to listen to. And I'll take your questions from time to time where you get to ask me whatever you want. And I will do my best to answer. So I have about 10 questions here. Let's get through them all. At Loud Marlin fans on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Also join Marlins Nation on Facebook. All right, we got Jake Foley from JFama Talk. Or at JFama Talk on the Twitter. He asks me, What is your most vivid Marlins memory, pre- preferably before 2015? I then asked him, Should it be World Series related? And he responded, Non World Series related. You could even give me your top three. So, three most vivid memories. And you got to understand. I've been a fan since 1993, so that's 18 years, sorry, 28 years. I need to learn how to do math. 28 years of being a Marlins fan. So there's a lot of memories that come up. I'll start in 2009, opening day 2009. Uh We had just made a move or picked up this young guy quick from the Washington Nationals. And his name was Emilio Bonifacio. Emilio! As we would learn to call him. And he hit a inside-the-park home run on opening day 2009. I remember that like it was yesterday. He was so much fun to watch. Legit. And he was one of my favorite Marlins of all times. Another vivid memory. And I'll get into an episode on this eventually, as I've mentioned, my trip to Wrigley Field in Chicago in 2011, the last year of the Florida Marlins. I had front row tickets in Wrigley on the Marlins dugout for two of the four games that series. So another fond memory is being on the dugout, talking to the players, Logan Morrison, Gabby Sanchez, uh, the heart of the team back then, Dan Ugla, 
Um, Giancarlo Stanton, I believe, was in his second year at that point. Uh, he had signed an autograph for me. I had about six balls, seven balls signed by by the pitchers, Annabal Sanchez, Ricky Nolasco. So that whole experience is a very vivid memory. If you want to go from one play that game, it was not a good play. I remember while sitting on the dugout, it was hot as heck at a 1 p.m. Central start or 12.40 Central start. And Giancarlo, who was Mike Stanton at the time, Mike Stanton struck out to end the game with a man on base. But he did that a lot because he was a choke artist. So that's two vivid memories. Previous 2015, give you another one. Non-World Series related. I'll go with a Don, I don't have the date, but I'll go with a 2003 Dontrell Willis start. And there were many of them. And I would go to games on Saturday nights. I had the season ticket plan then for Saturdays. And just the electricity of John Dontrell Willis pitching. And he had like a two-hitter one of those games. That was definitely a memory that'll stick in. I mean, any Gary Sheffield, I watched all the Marlins. So to just pick three is difficult. But Dontrell Willis starts the Wrigley series, if not just that John uh, Mike Stanton's strikeout, and then Emilio Bonifacio's game win. Not what is a game winning, but we had a pretty good lead. Uh, but his inside the park home run in opening day 2009. So thanks, Jake. Uh, appreciate your follow, man. Let's move on to the next question. From this is one of the first questions I got from Steve underscore seventeen oh three. Who is better, young boy, little Nas, in depth, and why? I can't answer that question, Stephen. I don't know who they are. So I'm going to say they both suck. Next questions from Meagle Plant, ex Poppy Hawkage. If the Marlins didn't exist, who would you cheer for and why? Any team? Well, I'm not only a Marlin fan. I'm a Heat, Dolphin, Miami Hurricane, Florida Panther fan. FAUL is also. But I think you're talking baseball. So I would have to say I'm a man of misery because I would be a Baltimore Oriole fan. If you listen to the first episode, I discussed uh, my my first introduction to baseball was at the Orioles' old stadium, not even Camden Yards. Uh, my brother, who was deceased, fuck cancer. I think that's the first time I've cursed on here. Uh, he, he loved the Orioles because he had some surgeries up in Baltimore for the first six, seven years of his life. And we would, when I was a baby, we would travel up there and they were a great team. Um, we, I still have some memorabilia from them, some signed stuff. So I would have to say the Baltimore Orioles. And that's why, because um, they treated him at Johns Hopkins. Baltimore Orioles were a big part of that hospital Players would visit, and I vaguely remember that up to when I was four or five years old. So, 
Baltimore Orioles, and they have the color orange in them. So I'm a man of misery because they're not a good team either. Not saying the Marlins aren't a good team, but their winning record is probably less than ours because they have not won a World Series, I think, since my existence. Moving on, Just Marlins, your favorite Marlins Twitter account and podcast. Well, my favorite podcast is the Loud Marlin Fans podcast. And my favorite Marlins Twitter. I love all you guys. You know, I really started interacting with you on this Twitter account, Loud Marlin Fans, in the last 12 months. Um, and I really appreciate all of you. There's not just one favorite. Uh, a bunch of you guys talk to me. Whoever wrote me these questions, that means you pay attention. So you're all my favorite. I can't just pick one and won't. So that's a hard one to answer as well. Um, and that was at Just Marlins that sent me that. At Miami SZN 2021, are you looking forward to Sixto coming back soon? Only if he's healthy. Sixto was great in his first couple starts last year in 2020. And then he was throwing beach balls and getting beat up because all he would throw is that hard fastball. And again, he was getting beat up. So which Sixto are we getting? Most importantly is he needs to be healthy. I think he needs to lose a little bit of weight. I saw him in preseason, spring training on a game. He was very heavy set, ended up winning the game. But I think he needs to lose some of that to remain healthy. You don't want him always injured. And he does have some inflammation in his shoulder or a strain. And we can't allow him to be injured. So get healthy. If it's not this year, come back for playoff time. Just get well and come back healthy because we don't want this to be an ongoing couple-year event. Steven, again, Steve, I should say, underscore 1703. Steven sent me another uh, tweet asking me, are the Miami Hurricanes winning the College World Series? Hurricanes in the College World Series. Let's see. I think that the Hurricanes can beat Gainesville in the first round. I don't really pay attention to college baseball. Sorry. Um, really busy watching the Marlins right now. So go Canes. I hope they win the College World Series. I don't think we've won that one since the mid-2000s. And it's been downhill since from there. So yes, go Canes. I'm rooting for you. You better win. And if you don't, there's always next year couple late questions coming in on Facebook that I want to uh, pull up here. So give me one second to make sure I get to uh, these questions. Here we go. We got Justin Gladich on Facebook. And he's asked me three questions, and then I'm going to end the Twitter with these three questions, or the podcast, the Twitter. I'm going to end the podcast with these three questions. Question one, the inspiration between or behind the dance on Twitter. 
So the dance he's referring to is the humping dance or the me so horny dance, which I've posted on Facebook and Twitter. A couple weeks ago, Sophia, my buddy, I had asked her to come watch some Marlins base or drink some Marlins lager and watch some baseball at like 9.30 at night on a Saturday. Knowing she wouldn't come, I talked to Sophia a little bit off of Twitter. So she's cool. She understood I was joking. And that just got picked up on the rest of Twitter, which was cool for Marlon's Twitter. And um, a couple of the other guys on there uh, started posting, Marlon's baseball makes me so horny or something. So being the loud Marlon fan, I took that to another level. So I have videos of me listening to Me So Horny by two live crew, Uncle Luke. And I uh, made that dance. So I have no shame in this character of Loud Marlins fan. I have my fun life. I have my job life. This is fun life. Hope that answers that question for you. What is your most prized piece of memorabilia you own? Well, if you haven't seen the memorabilia, I've posted some pics. I have... Uh, many framed jerseys, some customized pieces that I've uh, designed. And I have a framer who does amazing work. Most, my most prized memorabilia. There's a couple pieces I, I love here. Um, my first ever piece was the Marlins World Series 1997 and 2003 piece where I have the Sports Illustrated from the commemorative Sports Illustrated after each championship, which I've saved. I also have the World Series pins, one with the World Series logo in 1997, featuring the Indians and the Marlins logos. And I have the, the same one for 2003 with us and the Yankees. Um, that's a prized piece that I have. Um, I probably will never part with that. The Jose Fernandez piece, of course, his jersey framed up. I got off Fanatics when it wasn't expensive. Got it framed up. That's a prize piece since he'll never sign again. Um, I'll go this way. My most prized possession is my Dan Marino signed jacket. It was my brother's jacket when he was a child. Um, and we would go. We lived in the Sunrise Fort Lauderdale area. We would go to training camp in Davie. So this one's not Marlins related, but it is, I guess, would be my most prized possession. I won't be getting rid of this if any of my signed pieces I do, autograph pieces. So my brother must have been at training camp and Dan Marino signed on his back. You see Dan Marino with the 13. It's very clear. It's his signature. So I got that framed up around the time I got married in 2015 and my brother didn't know I, he had left the Jersey at my mom's and I took it, got it framed up. He saw it on a video that was posted on Facebook calls me up. He did, my brother didn't pass away till 2017. So in 2015, he, um, calls me up. This is before my, or after my wedding. So I, I had already been married and he goes, Hey, thanks for getting my Jersey framed up. Or my jacket framed up. Like, what are you talking about? It's mine. He goes, no. You didn't have to get it framed up for me, but it is my jacket, so I want it back. I said, Ian, you haven't touched that in 10, 15, 20 years. 
I knew where it was. Long story short, I say, you didn't get me a, a wedding present. He goes, yeah, I did. I gave you a check. Well, it turns out he never gave me the check. And my wedding gift ended up being the jacket that I got framed up. I think it's more of the sentimental value. I love Dan Marino, although he's not the nicest man. Does donate to charity, which gives him some credit. But it's more the story of that being my brother's. And um, I miss him a lot. And the final question of tonight, or this edition... Who wins in a no-holds-barred MMA fight? Gabby Sanchez, former Marlin, or Tal Hollinsworth, current Marlins announcer? Todd Hollinsworth follows me on Twitter. So, Todd, if you listen to this podcast, sorry. Because Gabby Sanchez would whoop that ass. Yep. If you didn't see Gabby Sanchez, Sanchez's clothesline protecting Chris Volstead, in the mid-2000s, and you don't know what I'm talking about, but that dude is big, that dude is strong, so Gabby Sanchez would whoop that Todd Hollinsworth ass all over South Florida. And he went to the U. You go Canes. So Gabby Sanchez would definitely win that. Going back to the good, bad, and ugly real quick, an ugly of the Marlins is also that announced team on Bailey Sports Network. Paul seems like a nice guy. Todd seems like a nice guy. The two of them together make me want to claw my ears out. And it happens all the time where I have to turn it on mute and switch to bait to, to the uh, calls on the radio to listen to Kyle Seeloff, Glenn Geffner, or uh, uh, D- Dave Van Horn, along with Gabby Sanchez or uh, JP. That's ugly, too. And I'm going to end it with that. Thank you for listening to this longer edition of the Loud Marlin Fan Podcast. I'm going to release this directly after recording as a special, as our first Q&A. And I hope you enjoyed the state of the Marlins in my view. I'll see you guys next time. This has been the Loud Marlin Fan Podcast trademark. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And remember... Let's go, Marlins. Let's frickin' go! Have a great night.